This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Think about your most recent significant dream. You would probably agree that as you think about it, you are outside of it. It is as if you were looking at something, appreciating it, remembering it, considering what it might mean. Now, try something different. Move inside it. Go right back into the dream. Re-enter the scene. Feel the difference? Here's the question. Is dream work more effective when done from the outside or the inside? The evolution in my own dreamworking style and method over the past few years has resulted in working more and more from the inside. Having now worked in this way with a few thousand dreams, I can say a few things with certainty. Dreamwork done from the inside is faster and simpler because it really has only one step. You re-enter your dream and try to get an embodied sense of what it wants. What is trying to happen? What do you want to do? What is it asking you for? Where is the energy trying to go? It is easier to facilitate others when working from the inside because there is no burden on the facilitator to have any sense of what the dream might mean. Two major fears that plague dream workers are greatly reduced the fear of getting lost, and the fear of being wrong. The facilitator's job is relatively simple, to invite the dreamer to re-enter the dream, then help them get a sense of what wants to happen. The goal is the same, to arrive at a resonant insight about how the dream connects to your life. When working from the inside, I have found these insights tend to arise more spontaneously and organically. They are felt more in the body, less worked out through thinking and associating. Inside dream work seems to work quite beautifully about 80% of the time in my experience. Sometimes it seems to get stalled because the dreamer cannot get an embodied feeling of what they want to do. At these times, I have found it very effective to use one of the backup techniques, most commonly the be the part technique, asking the dreamer to shift their identification from their own self to another dream figure. Working from the inside is more dynamic change-oriented. 
You are already changing yourself as soon as you re-enter your dream and allow something new to happen. In traditional dream interpretation, understanding comes first and change may follow or not. In inside dream work, change comes first and understanding follows. I find this much more rewarding. Working from the inside is more fun and less tiring. Your brain doesn't need to work nearly as hard. The energy is usually higher because you are working with something that is alive and changing. It's less like analysis and more like theater, writes Dr. Christopher Soden. Valeria interviews Dr. Christopher. He is a naturopath and a professional dream worker based in southern Ontario, Canada. He does online dreamworking sessions with clients all around the world, helping them gain deeper insight into their dreams. Since 2003, Christopher has been training healthcare practitioners of all kinds to integrate dreamwork into their practices. He is a member of the IASD, International Association for the Study of Dreams. He teaches dreamworking skills through a course of online training modules and has published two books, Dreamworking, How to Listen to the Inner Guidance of Your Dreams, 2017, and The Dreamworking Manual, A Guide to Using Dreams in Healthcare, 2013. To read more about Dr. Christopher and his work, please visit his website at ChristopherSoten.com. Here is the interview with Dr. Christopher Soto. In your own words, who is Christopher Souten? Well, professionally speaking, uh, I'm a dream worker. And uh, that, that is a new term for some people. I guess not everyone knows what a dream worker is. But for me, I would define it as someone who can consistently help people get more out of their dream life. And whatever that takes, whether it's helping them remember their dreams, whether it's helping them re-enter their dreams or work with their dreams or respond to their dreams to make life changes, you know, all of the above. That's a dream worker. And uh, that has become my life's path and my life's work. And uh, also in the last five years, or maybe even a bit more than that, training other people to be dream workers has become the main focus of my life's work because so I guess I could say I'm a dream worker trainer as well because I really feel the the world is short on dream workers it's lacking dream workers it's it's for me is a very important uh, social skill that we've somehow lost through the ages that, that many, many people in the world's history have had a strong, vibrant, living tradition of dream working, but our culture, not so much these days. So I'm a dream worker who wants to help bring dream work back into the world. It's a very interesting work. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, and I have lots of questions for you here, your book is titled Dream Working, How to Listen to the Inner Guidance of Your Dreams. 
So I have a few warm up questions before that, as I mentioned off record. The first one is, what does it mean to be a human being, Christopher? To be a human being? Well, big question. <laughs> well, may, maybe I could talk about part of it, which is that that the human being is is a creature that lives with with a focus in the present, and we're we're very good at focusing our mind to accomplish things, but um, we actually can be open to much more information than we're getting through the the narrow hyper focus we usually have, and. I think is one of the fascinating things that's happening these days is that we're widening out, we're, we're becoming aware of so many more realities and levels of reality. We're, and, and we're becoming aware of the interconnectedness of everything. So I, I think this is, for humanity, is a wonderful development. And, and I hope we can continue to walk along this way and uh, dream Dreaming is one of the things that, not the only thing, of course, but one of the things that connects us to everything. Because for me, it, one of the fascinating things about dreams is that you can dream about anything in the universe. Yeah. Anything. There's nothing that you can't dream about. So that's wonderful. That's exciting to me. And, and, it, and it helps it helps us realize our our full humanity or come closer to realizing our full humanity because we we have dreams that kind of push us towards our, the edge of our personal growth and and again dream work that's why the world needs more dream workers because people need help with that a lot of people just don't engage their dream life at all. So they lose this ability to become more and more fully human and more and more fully who they are and who they were meant to be. And their dream life is there trying to help them, but they're not picking up their end of the bargain. I'll ask you a question about dreams. What is another word for dream? I don't know if I can get it into one word, but it's like um, live spontaneous theater. For me, it's dreams are not, I used to think of dreams as messages, you know, and a lot of people do a dream is a message, but actually it's more like a stage that's set in a theater with actors and a set and a director it's like because the the message is not over. It's like you can walk back onto the stage and start the whole thing up again. That's the wonderful thing about dreams. When you re-enter them, and I hope you're going to ask me about dream re-entry at some point. When you re-enter your dream while you're awake, so in your imagination you're going back into your remembered dream, it's still there. It's still there, like like a stage that is set, and it's waiting for you to come back onto it and start things up again. And that's that's what dream reentry is all about. I noticed that I have dreams with the same location, the house that I grew up in. It keeps coming back with people that are 
in my life today. Most of us, you're right, we don't focus on our dreams. We don't try to understand them as often as we should, in a way. And I would like to understand more myself, so I'll be asking you all these questions. I don't think I have the re-entrance. Well, it, it, it's, it's referred to at a few points in my book, but my book is not specifically about re-entry. The dream re-entry is what I'm doing in the last three years or four years since my book came out. So it's kind of the new chapter in my work. So uh, maybe we'll have time to talk about that a bit too. Yeah, yeah, because I found it to be not only the simplest, but the fastest and the most effective way to, to get good insights about what your dream is about. Most of the knowledge of the information you speak of, it's actually experiential, right, Christopher? Oh, yes, definitely. It's, I mean, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people, you know, they, they have a, a thought in their mind about the dream work. When you talk about a dream, it's like mm -hmm. a Freudian analyst or a dream interpreter who's an expert who tells yeah. you what your dream means. It's actually not like that at all. It's much more experiential. It is like walking onto the stage and starting up your dream again. And, and you're the director. You're, you're not just a passive uh, actor in, who's caught up in the play. You, you're, you actually have some, some control, some power. You, you have some say. In, in what's going to unfold, and it's and it's completely experiential. It, it's you there having that experience, as opposed to, you know, two people sitting in chairs talking about what the dream means. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, from that perspective. So that's wonderful to know. What is life itself? What is life to you? Life. Well, I mean, I, I often. No, I'm 65 now, so I'm getting on uh, in years. I still feel very young. I still actually feel like I'm somewhere in the middle of my life, which is <laughs> very likely not true, but that's what I feel. And I, But I do find that I'm thinking about death more. So as we approach death, uh, I think it, it makes us feel differently about our life. I mean, what, what is this amazing opportunity that we have? And does it end or does it change into something else? I mean, do, do we remember anything of this life after we die? I mean, I find myself thinking about these kinds of questions. You could perhaps call them existential questions more and more as I get older. So, and But the end result for me is that I want to live this life as fully as I possibly can while I have it. I, I don't want to spend too much time worrying, and I, so, I don't want to become fearful about what comes after. I just I, I want to experience life while I can, and then hopefully as death approaches and is knocking right at the door, I'll, I'll be ready for, for that adventure too. And, you know, I think my dream life helps me with that because when you're dreaming, your, your ego does die in a sense. It, it's an ego death. It, it loses control. And, and you go into another realm. And, and that also, of course, happens when you die. Your ego 
loses control. It has to let go and you go into another realm. And that, that transition is, you know, it's one of the most important things that, that we have to think about. And, and, you know, we don't think about it much. <laughs> Maybe we should think about it more. What would you say is the opposite of life? Well, I mean, I don't think it's death because we don't know enough about what happens in death, which is, which is remarkable when you think about it, that, that probably we've been wondering about it for hundreds of thousands of years and we really haven't got very far in, in figuring out what happens. So I don't think we can say it's death because death might not be the opposite of life. So I would say the opposite of life would be not living your life. I mean, being in a state where you're, you're not using your potential or your gifts. So, I mean, that, that's a sad thing, but I think for me, as, as, uh, something that could guide you towards, uh, you know, to, towards living the life that you want more, it, it would be just to say, okay, I, I don't want to be dead inside. I want, I want to be alive inside. So, so what does that mean? And what does that take? And what should I do to help that happen? It makes me think of happiness and joy in all these positive states of mind. When you think about being alive, feeling alive. What do you think is the purpose of life, the human experience? <laughs> These are big questions coming. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. I I think probably it is to to help with the, the evolutionary process. I mean, I do think one thing we can say for sure is that evolution is going on on many levels. Not just biological, but mental, spiritual evolution is an evolution of consciousness is happening. So uh, I suspect that we all have a role in that, or we should have a role in that. And so what, one of the things we're being called on to do is to grow and, and change and evolve and move the whole story of humanity forward, not just as individuals, but as, as a collective that we are. And, and it's interesting that in, in dreams, there are there are a lot of requests being made. I mean, if you think of it, if you change your your dream question when you wake up in the morning from "Oh, what did that mean?" to "Oh, what is that asking me for?" then then it shows it shows you that you're being asked for something. You could say that you're whoever made your dream. I just call it the dream maker because that's an easy word for it. Whoever made your dream is is not just trying to tell you a story or send you a message. It's actually asking you to respond in some way, to do something. And then if you look at it that way, then you could say, yeah, we're I'm part of something that's evolving and I and I have to do my bit. That's a powerful question. It's almost asking life itself, what do you want me to do now? What are you asking from me? That goes back to purpose in a way, my Christopher. What is the purpose of my life at this moment? 
Yeah, wow, I love that. What is to be free? What is the meaning of freedom to you? Well, for me, as as a dream worker, which I suppose is a kind of psychotherapist or or counselor, I, a lot of people come to me with with their problems and their issues, and and what strikes me is is how unfree a lot of people are, and it's not because they're locked up. It's not because they're imprisoned or locked into anything, really. Right. It's because of mindsets that they, they can't change. They, e even though they wish they could change them, and they may even be quite conscious of them, they might be quite conscious that they're being limited by their own mindsets, but they still can't change them. So why is that? You know, in, in a way, that lack of freedom is the million dollar question <laughs> it's like why why are we so unfree why why do why do we find it so hard to really change ourselves when we know what we want to change into and we still can't and this this kind of stuckness or lack of freedom is really shows up in the dream life and, and it shows up as dreams where you're you're stuck in something and it doesn't feel good and it's going on and on and it's usually very repetitive it's repetitive both within the dream and in the fact that you've had that dream hundreds of times and you're doing the same thing and you don't like it but you can't stop doing it and it goes on you know that that kind of dream is is very common and that's the human condition we're we're stuck we want to change, we could change, but for some reason, for some agonizing reason, we don't. <laughs> so that, that, you know, I don't know why that is. That's a funny thing about human beings, but it, it certainly is. And, and if you actively do dream work, it really does help you get, get the change wheels going. Right. It might be that it takes courage, doesn't it? To make any kind of change in a way, it yeah. takes energy and courage. Oh yeah, and and commitment. Right. Yeah, right. It's also mystery. We don't have an answer for why uh -huh. certain people don't change, although they know so much. Right. Wonderful in its own right, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> One more question for you. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need, and do you have a vision for a new reality? Well. I mean, I think the greatest need in the world today is ecological, because we, we have to take care of our home. We, we've only got this one home planet to live on, as far as I know. I think it's likely. Um, and we're, you know, things are really heating up. We, we have to do a better job. Everybody knows that. And, but we're really having trouble, you know, shifting gears. To, to looking after the world better. I think that the safe and respectful stewardship of the world and the ecology is, is probably the most important question on the table right now. And, and it is, you know, again, since we're talking about dreams, it is reflected in people's dreams. I mean, all the, all the natural disasters that are happening around the world these days, they, they certainly appear in people's dream life. And, and again, I think it's best to look at it, not, not searching for meaning, but searching for what am I being asked to do? Because it's, it's just a more powerful 
and dynamic posture to put yourself in. So what what so I have a dream about a burning forest. What what does my dream maker want me to do? It, I mean, is it does this is this burning forest purely metaphorical or symbolic, or is it actually is there an element of it where where the the earth herself is communicating to me that I need to be more active, you know? So I think everyone should open up their the way they relate to their dream life to say, you know, yeah, most of my dreams seem to be about me individually, my life and my issues. Maybe that's true. But also there's a way in which the dreams could be communicating in a, in a much, from a much larger perspective, from a planetary or a collective perspective and, and to be open to looking at them that way as well. Dreams are asking us to do something, not just at the individual level, but also at the collective level. Yes, and I think more so recently, because just because of what's what's happening in the world these days, there are more more collective dreams happening. And of course, you know, you if if you change your paradigm so that you're more open to receiving collective dreams and collective communications, then of course you will have them. <laughs> it's that you you will get what you ask for. You have a whole section about asking questions and then the type of questions. That's fascinating because I love questions. What is love to you, Christopher? How do you define love? Well, it it comes back to me to the connection thing. It's like um, it's the experience of feeling emotionally connected to to somebody or something else and and you're it's it's not just about you and and your little world and your little concerns but oh there's another person there or or there's an animal there or a tree there or i love that no it's it's i am actually in the same life and the same world as this other being and i so appreciate that to me you know uh, love is it of course can have many many forms and many objects but it always has that quality of connectedness what is your understanding and idea of peace well that yeah what a what a question for today <laughs> when there's so much conflict raging everywhere and and It's, it's so hard not to get caught up on it. I mean, I'm really careful not to tune into the news too much these days mm -hmm. because it, it puts me in a, in a conflicted, very uncomfortable, very disturbed state. I mean, I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to stay informed. I don't want to have my head in a paper bag, but I, do, but I don't want to feel like that. There, there's so much conflict. And then... You know, you, you turn off your screen and you, you go out for a walk and you, and the peace is also there. You know, I'm looking out the window. I can see that the geese are out on the grass. I mean, they're in a state of peace. They, they're not watching CNN and getting all worked up about whatever, all the things that are going on in the world. That, so the peace is there. It's, it's, it's a state of being uh, fully present embodied 
and conscious and just where you are and and having that experience and not being conflicted or divided or pulled out of it by anything and you know it should be easy to do but but it isn't a lot of if there's peace uh, it has to start within all of us right mm -hmm. yeah. so one more question what where and who is god to you well i for me god is is a, a nature god it's it's It exists in everything. I mean, nature in the widest sense. Every bit of creation, to me, has divine energy. And and I see this in my dreams. I mean, I, I've had a number of dreams in my life with which are just infused with God energy. I mean, it's just... It's not like I'm seeing a classical picture of God up in the sky or anything, but it's just, wow, it's everything is so unquestionably relevant and important and meaningful. Uh, that is the experience of God to me. And, you know, it, it, sometimes it just happens. You're, you know, you're just walking along and all of a sudden you feel, wow. Everything is so infused with meaning and beauty. And to me, that's, that's a divine experience. And it can literally happen anytime. I wish it would happen a bit more. But it, it can happen on, to everybody and in, in the most unexpected ways. So it doesn't, for me, need to be mediated by a religious system or a religious structure. Although it could be. But it just... It's just a, a matter of being present in the world and open to all the kinds of experiences that you could have. Yeah. Let's talk about your work. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book, Dream Working? Well, the, the intention and inspiration has to do with what we were talking about at the beginning. What that you know, that dream work is in danger of becoming a, a vanishing art. <laughs> And I don't want it to vanish from our culture. Um, you know, I don't think it will. I don't think it can because everybody dreams every night. And and everyone is interested in dreams, I think. I've, ne I've never talked to anyone who's, maybe they're lying, I don't know. But they, But everyone says they're fascinated by their dreams. And yet... Very few people are are doing what I would call, you know, active dream work, where they're consistently, you know, helping other people really get into their dreams and get get more out of the experience, more insight and more understanding. So, uh, so I wrote the book because uh, it to reach more people around the world, you know, because I I teach dream working to to people here in in the Toronto area but you know it's it's a small group it's a small audience and i feel there it it should be happening on a much bigger scale than it is and i i really think it should be you know because it, to me it's a fundamental thing it, it, it's a fundamental human thing that we dream and we are being communicated with every night 
literally in our dreams and and to let that communication go unheard and unused is to me it's a great pity and it and it should not be that way so so that was my main motivation to to you know to reach out to the people in the world who possibly could become dream workers they may not know it yet they may they may not even have heard of the term or have thought about that at all but they could be because they they just need to be introduced to the idea let me get from the very beginning dreams what are dreams exactly and what is the source of our dreams well you know i personally i do think the the vast majority of our dream material comes from within us we could say from our own dreaming mind or from our mind while we are asleep um and i call this the dream maker i mean you you can call it really whatever you want the unconscious is 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 a little too wide open because you know that can the unconscious is really the sum total everything that's that's not conscious so so that's huge but but i think there there's something in the human being that while they're asleep they go into a state where their mind can generate images sounds thoughts memories smells reflections experiences and and it just it it can do that and it does that every night and sometimes it's it's like a gigantic movie studio that where a director appears and he organizes this whole vast experience into a story and and then you get a really good dream you know a lot of dreaming i think is is kind of random and and somewhat chaotic and not particularly worth working on or remembering just like a lot of our thoughts like a, a lot of our thoughts are just you know they're not really worth remembering and that's why we don't remember 99.9% of what we've thought in our lives and nor should we because uh it would be impossible to so but every once in a while you know we have an experience which is very special and we should treat it as a special communication both awake and asleep so i think you know it's 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 an a largely internal function that we're all capable of but it connects to everything it can connect us to the to the entire universe which is the amazing thing so i think of a dream as the product of of the gigantic movie studio of the sleeping mind and and the and the the dramas that it it can come up with uh and you know then then the trick is to wake up remember it kind of lock it into your long-term memory which is very hard for some people and then to actually put yourself in a position where you can work on it a bit say okay what's this dream asking me for i love the question <laughs> i have to say it again what is this asking me how wonderful i love the question so how did you discover yourself to be a dream worker what was the experience that made you realize that Well it was uh back in the mid 
1980s when I was a student at the Naturopathic College in Toronto, in Canada, and um, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but I found that I became the person that everyone talked to about dreams. So it, it kind of happened to me. And they would talk about their own dreams and also when they started having their patients in the clinic and their their patients might report a troubling dream that, and they didn't really know what to do with it, then they would bring that to me. And so I became... Uh, that person <laughs> and, and and that happened fairly early on in in my career in fact while i was still a student and i began to notice it i mean because it was happening quite a lot i said why why is this happening to me why am i becoming the dream person and and but i i decided to 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 go with it and then i'm very interested in the Jungian model, and I, I immersed myself in, in Jungian dream work, and I found that very rich and exciting for many years. And then right, right around that time, I had a remarkable dream, which I believe was a dream which announced to me my calling, because, because when I woke up from it, I knew without a doubt that I was a dream worker and that that would be my career. Uh, and that in that dream, I was walking along a path with a companion who was half duck and half dog. That I speak about this dream in my book, and and we there's a big there's a hill on the left and a lake on the right, and I see three wolves approaching, and they go into the water, and I go into the water, and I I'm starting to feel a bit frightened, but then I remember. Somehow, the thought comes to me that, you know, you, you should not run away from such creatures. You should face them, and then all will be well. So I swam right towards the first wolf, and he swam at me, and he kind of went right into me. And then the second wolf, and then the third wolf. And when the, the third wolf and I came together, everything kind of swooped up into the air in this brilliant column of light. And then I woke up and I, you know, it was in one of those amazing dreams that, you know, shamans often speak about you, you have a special dream and then you know what you're going to be in the community. Like you, you know what your job is, what your role is. And so I felt that that was that kind of dream for me and that I would be someone who worked with dreams and I would help people, you know, receive the, the, the insights from their dream life. Oh, what a wonderful story. I love the number three, <laughs> three wolves. That's very symbolic. So are dreams connected to imagination? Well, I mean, yes, I think, you know, this gigantic movie studio idea, you know, that's like, a generator of imaginal, um, not only visual material, but, but every, it's like your imagination can generate anything. And, and really just like the, your dream maker can generate anything. So I actually think 
they're facets of the same thing. And that's why uh, re-entry dream work works so well is because you're using the same movie studio to generate and continue the dream and dream it forward. The only difference is that you're doing it while you're awake now. You had the original dream while you're asleep and you remembered it, but now you're going back onto the stage and you're awake and you're fully aware of what you're doing. So you, you, you really are the director now. You're not just an actor swept up in the story. And you, you are still using the faculty of imagination, which, is, which can visualize, which can create, which can imagine things happening. So I call it, I use the word imaginal work because you are using your imagination, right? And it's the same, I think it's the same thing that created the dream in the first place. And that's why it works so well to, to dream the dream forward later while you're awake. What is the history of dreams as a healing tool in ancient times? Oh, well, I think it's a very rich history and, and it probably started very, very early. I would imagine, I mean, it's easy for me to imagine, you know, people waking up in <clears throat> early human society. They get up, they sit around the fire, they're talking, they just came out of a dream. They share the dream with their family and community. And that, that is just a natural practice that, that happens, you know, probably almost every morning. I, I, I suspect that that's where we came from. You know, we, we come from a tradition of sharing dreams like that. And especially in the winter, you know, when, when it's dark a lot of the time and you're sleeping a lot of the time, and you're dreaming a lot of the time, and, and there's not a lot to do. I think there was a lot of dream sharing going on in early human history. And then within the community, I would suspect that certain people would, would, would be chosen, and, and I probably would have been one of those people, would be chosen to, to to go to, you know, they, they'd be the ones that you go to if you had a particularly important dream or a scary dream or a troubling dream or a mysterious dream that you couldn't figure out. You'd go to this person in the community and they'd be the dream shaman or the dream worker. And, and then they would be able to help you with it. So I think that tradition has also probably been around for a long time. I'm a little worried about where it is today in, in yeah. Western culture. So we got to get it back. What is the method? I know you have a theory in your book, Dream Working Theory and Method. So if it's somebody like me, if I want to try it, can I do it by myself, go through the whole process? Yes, you, you, told, yeah. Yeah, you totally can do it yourself. And the method I'm going to talk about is, is the re-entry method, because I think it's, it's, it's not only the easiest now, but, but also the best. So uh, it's what you do is what, if you have a well-remembered dream, you, you usually will find that the problem with a lot of dreams is that they happen to you. Like, like 
you're just reacting. And, and so the change that you're going to make is that you're, you're going to become more proactive and more conscious and more aware. That's the change that you're going to make. You're going to go back into the same dream that you just had, you just remembered, and, and but now you're conscious. And you and that means you can also change it if you want. You you don't have to change it. You can go back into it just to gather more information or to have more of the beautiful experience if it was a beautiful dream. But you can also change it because in, in my experience, roughly 75% of dreams are have negative feeling content. Like there's something you you probably would want to change. There's something incomplete or something frightening or something nasty, uh, something that you feel bad about or you wish you could have done. So guess what? You can do it. You can change it. So so you go back into it. You make yourself conscious, aware proactive and empowered because you usually you you weren't that nine times out of ten in the original dream but you make yourself feel that and and you can bring whatever you want in to help you if you need help if you need an ally or a friend or a support standing beside you then you imagine that happening until you feel ready to face with full awareness and fully embodied presence, whatever the situation is, even if it's a terrifying, horrific nightmare, you're, you're going to be able to face it because you've changed the way you feel. And then once you've figured out how you want to change it, you go ahead and imagine that change happening. So that now we're actually changing the dream. We're dreaming the dream forward. This was not in the original dream, but now it's in the new dream that started from the place of the old dream, but now it's changing. Do we need to meditate before this? Because it seems like it takes a lot of uh, concentration. Uh, mm, some people like to do something to kind of shift gears out of their you know, normal waking state and, and, you know, it depends when you do it. Uh, for me, the best time is in the early morning. I'm lying there. I'm still in bed. I've woken up. I'm close to the dream world. And this is my best time to work on dreams. I guess that wouldn't work for everybody. Uh, some people do it just before they go to sleep too. But uh, I find it works best in the early morning. But really, it could be any time. And you, you just – and you know what? It's pretty fast. You could do it a really good job of dream reentry in three or four minutes. So it's not like you need to block off an hour or anything. You, you don't. You, you can do it quite quickly. We remember the dream much more accurately in the morning when we just wake up. That makes sense to me. It will be the best time. Do we ask the question? Do we ask that question before we do the uh, re-entering uh, process method? 
Uh, you know, yeah, it becomes a whole habit of mind. It becomes automatic after a while. It's like you're you're always holding that question. But you know, you, it does take a little bit of time to shift your question from what does it mean, which is yeah, for most true. people. <laughs> so true. For most people, that's where they automatically go. They wake up from a dream and they go, oh, wow, what did that mean? So it takes a while to shift yourself out of that so that you're not doing that. Because the trouble with that, as fascinating as it may be, is that it pulls you out of the dream. You can't really think about what something means it, unless you're out of it, looking at it. You know, so your your perspective is already outside. You've already, to some degree, objectified it, and you're not you're not in it. So I I say, you know what? Don't worry about what it means. That'll come later, because I I'm totally into getting the meaning for sure. I love meaning. It's not that I'm against meaning. I just want the meaning to come to me, I rather than me demanding it. Like, what do you mean? Like, explain yourself. So. So don't don't put yourself in that posture. Just go back into the dream. And then your guiding question is, what do I want? You know, what do I want to happen ideally in this situation? You know, let's let's take the classic example of someone's chasing you down a street. This is one of the world's most common dreams. And it can be very repetitive. And, and it's terrifying, and you're always running away. But but wait a minute. If you re-enter that dream, and you make yourself conscious and empowered, you're not going to want to keep running away. You're, you're going to want to turn around and face that, whoever that is, and find out what the hell is going on. Who are you? Why are you chasing me? What do you want? See, you can't do that unless you change the way you feel, unless you you change the dream from something that happens to you to something that you, you're an active participant in. So that's always the first step, is to change the way you feel in the dreamscape. And then you can decide what you want to do. Yeah, it's not just happening to you, but you can actually try to understand what's happening. That applies to life itself, directly. Totally. Yeah, yeah. There's the word direct, like director, like the director. Be the director. You know, you could say be the director of your life. Like be more active in directing your life. And you you can also say that about your dream life. Like, It, it, your nightmares don't have to keep happening to you over and over again, which is the sad truth for many people. Believe me, I've talked to people for, they've had terrifying repeating nightmare for decades and they never were able to do anything about it. Isn't that sad? And, and same in waking life, like a terrible situation that keeps happening over and over again. And, and you want to just say, no, wait. Take control of this. Like, don't let this keep happening to you. At the time in my life where I had so many issues, I was having this repetitive nightmare. And then when I faced that nightmare, I just asked the question, who are you and what you want? 
everything changed. Then my life changed. Everything changed. Seems to me like the, the work that you're doing, the dream working, is a training ground for self empowerment. You know, both on a large scale and on a small on a small scale, you you have to empower yourself before you can do this work, because if you're frightened and running and hiding, uh, which which is what most people are doing in their frightening dreams. You, you can't do any good work. You can't even make a good decision about what would be a good thing to do, right? You're, you're just running for your life. So that's why I say, you know, the first thing you have to do is empower yourself and, and change that, fee- whatever it takes to change that. You, you have to do that first because people, like, they if someone's in a PTSD state, a traumatized state, or a dissociated state, you you can't do any good work. You, there's there's no point. You'll just re, re-traumatize them if you take them back into a scary dream. So so the first thing you have to do is make them feel safe, fully present in their body, you know, and empowered and very aware of what's going on. Once you achieve that, then the world is open for you. Yeah. you. You can do whatever you want. I know you, you mentioned your book is not a dream dictionary, and it's not. So is there any value, let's say? Is, are they helpful in any way? I think the value, yeah, the value of them is that, that, that they can make you think about the amazing richness and diversity of a symbol. Let's say you have a frightening dream of a big snake and you're running away from it. So the first thing you have to do is go back, make yourself calm, empowered and present and conscious. And then then you can find out what this snake is by by actually going up to it and looking it right in the eye and talking to it or meeting it. That's how you're going to know what your snake is. Now, and a dream dictionary won't help you do that because that's not your snake it's not you it's not this dream it's 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 generalizations which can be fascinating but but really a snake could mean any one of a million things so so you you really can't get it down to one to one thing in a book and then when you talk about inner guide i love that too is the inner guide that you speak of connected to intuition Yeah, not only intuition, but certainly that's that's one of the things. I mean, I I I just believe that we have an inner guide. I I always have. I mean, I, to me that totally makes sense and that I I wonder if you you know, interview 10 people and say, "Do you think we all human beings have an inner guide function?" I don't I don't know what they'd say, but to me, yes, of course. We, we have a part of us that knows more than we do, you know, it knows more than our normal ego consciousness does. It's, it's wiser, it's more experienced, it has a bigger vision. So therefore, it, it would be capable of guiding us. And, and how would that guidance happen? In many ways. But one of the ways would be through your dream life. And yes, and and dreaming is one of the ways to really tune that in so so i think 
that's another reason for people to cultivate some deeper relationship with their dream life is is to receive that guiding function you're using the method of dreams to access intuition that's a very interesting way of doing that so when you talk about re-entering the dream is that sort of similar to lucid dreams oh yeah it 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 is in fact one way to explain it to people would be to say imagine that that you're fully lucid and, and you're back in your dream uh then what might you want to do and people who've had lucid dreams can relate to that and then you know and then i say well you know you can do that anytime you want you just do it while you're awake and and that's dream reentry so dream reentry and lucid dreaming are very very similar it, it, the only difference is one you do while you're awake and one happens while you're asleep and the thing about lucid dreaming is you know most people are not very good at it uh like mm -hmm. me <laughs> I, i i about once or twice a month i have sometimes the beginning of a lucid dream and but i can't usually sustain it for very long but i lose the lucidity after a while and so then i go back into normal dreaming and you know it's a practice it takes practice to be a good lucid dreamer and and there are people who are really good at it but uh not everyone has that ability at their fingertips but everyone does have the ability to re-enter their dreams and you can pretty much do the same thing just imagine okay i'm back in my dream i'm not dreaming but i'm I'm awake, but I'm still back in the same dream. Now, what do I want to do? So that's easier to access, right, that way. That also reminded me of this, our conversation and the work you do. It reminds me of that movie, Inception, I think the title is. So does it have anything to do in a way with that idea that we can go back and recreate, insert ideas and all that? Right, right. But they, they were in that movie. I don't remember it all that well. I saw it when it first came out. But, but they, they were trying to use the lucid dreaming ability for very specific purposes, may, or even maybe criminal purposes. <laughs> I mean, but the, but the thing is, you can use it for anything. I say, r literally. I mean, so, so use it. I mean, that's the thing. Most people, again, will, will not ever go back into a dream unless they're, you know, encouraged or told that they can do that. And so there's this kind of massive underused ability that we all have that uh, I just wish more people would tune into it and, and have the experience. And they, they'd go back into a dream and they'd say, okay, in this situation, ideally, what would I like to be able to do? And then they could imagine doing that. Thank you for what you do. And I have a few more questions for you. Before I do that, would you like to add anything or even read a passage in your book? I just would like to talk a little bit more about this this whole uh, question of of changing your state uh, 
and maybe I could just do a, do a simple analogy with, say you're in a, an argument with somebody and you're awake. This is just an experience that you're happening and you feel like, oh no, we're having this argument again. But then all of a sudden you catch yourself and you kind of access your best self. You know, we've all had that experience. It's almost like you rise above the way you're caught in the same old argument. And all of a sudden your, your perspective is bigger and you're more aware and more conscious. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. It's like you, it's like a version of accessing your best self, only you're doing it in your, in your dreamscape, in dream reentry. And, and when you do that, it, it just changes everything. So it, it, it really does go to show you how much power we have, but through being able to change our inner state because it really changes the way you feel about the entire situation. And so that is the really, you know, maybe that's a better way to put it for a lot of people because they, they'll be able to relate to it more is accessing your best self. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm getting caught up in the same old problem again. No, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to access my best, most conscious self. Whoa. And then everything feels different. Okay, that is a wonderful tool, awake or asleep, that we can all use, right? Do you believe in unconditional self-love? Well, I, as an ideal, yes, I do. I, I, think, I think, you know, for me, it's a bit paradoxical because you – on, you got to be a bit tough on yourself. I think I believe you got to make demands on yourself too. You got to push yourself a little bit uh, because you know we we so easily lapse back into kind of being lazy and routine. So I think it's okay to be on your own case, but but that doesn't mean you're not loving yourself. I think you can you can it's a kind of tough love, I guess. You can be on your case and still love yourself. And that, to me, is the ideal state. You're, you're asking a lot of yourself, but, but you also love yourself. That's, that's hard, to, hard to get both of those, isn't it? But, yeah. but that would be the ideal that I'm trying to aim for. Beautiful combination of the doing and being. They call the divine masculine and divine feminine, too. Yeah. Coming together, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way my life is now. I, I think I would just want to continue doing it right up till the end. I, um, there would be, you know, I'd, I'd want to have conversations with some people and make sure that happened before the end yes but i wouldn't i wouldn't really want to make any big changes i'd want to be in the place that i am and i'd probably want to continue doing the work that i do right up until the end because uh, i love it I, I don't want to retire i can't even imagine <laughs> retirement why would you want that <laughs> do you believe in life after death i i hope 
there's something after death. I mean, I, I, I suspect there probably is just, you know, it's, it's hard because I, I have never had a near death experience myself. I've, I've read a lot about them and I've read a lot about the Tibetan Buddhist tradition of preparing for death and preparing for the bardo state and the great transitions and, and using, by the way, they, they cultivate lucid dreaming for that purpose. I mean, that's the main purpose there. I think, I believe that they're so interested in lucid dreaming is that it helps you prepare for the great transition of death. Because if you can be wandering in a, in a strange place without fear, with awareness and consciousness, in, in a dream, then that's training you to be able to do that for, for whatever it happens when we die. I mean, clearly, it's, it's a huge transition, but it need not be a terrifying one. When your ego starts to fall away, that could be okay. And I, I hope I feel that as, as it starts to happen to me. Yeah, that makes sense that certain traditions, like spiritual traditions, like uh, Tibetan Buddhism, they would practice dying before they die. So one more question. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? One thing I know for sure is that there's something much bigger than our ego consciousness. Uh, and that comes back to the, you know, the guide function that we were talking about. There, there's, I think we're, we're like a little spot on an island with, with light and we can see around us. But underneath us is this island, and underneath that is 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 an ocean, and underneath that is a, is a world, and we we are all those things. And sometimes we can tap into being connected to all those greater things. And so I I'm sure that there's something much greater going on than we're usually aware of. And it's you know I love the experiences whether dreaming or awake, where, where suddenly that, that bigger thing comes through and we're suffused with this sense of being connected to something much bigger than ourselves. So I am sure of that. <laughs> I'm sure that the world would be better if there were, if professional dream working was, um, you know, was a profession that you could actually go into and you, you know, it's your, your kids would be saying, you know, I want to be a dream worker when I grow up. I want to go to dream working school and, and study. I think that would be so great. And I'm sure it would be a very healthy thing for, for Western society to have that in place. And, uh, okay, so that's number two. And number three, uh, I'm sure that everyone can do this thing that we're talking about where where you stop you stop yourself in your tracks whether you're awake or asleep and you and you you say wait a minute i don't want to keep running away from this or i don't want to keep suffering this over and over again i'm going to change the way i feel so that it can turn out differently Whatever we want to call that, I don't think it really has a name yet, but 
it's a skill that we could all practice and we can all have and and we as as a group the human race would be so much better off if we were better at doing that thank you so much for your profound wisdom and your presence your genuine presence christopher thank you oh you're welcome and thank you for having me on the show it was wonderful talking with you today where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, I, I have one of those websites where I think everything is on it. So just go to www.christophersouten.com and you'll see everything's there, including um, the, the course that I'm really working on now, which is to train more dream workers. Uh, so it's it's essentially a dream worker training course that you can do online at your own speed and your own time and wherever you are in the world. So I'm, I'm working with people all over the place. It's quite exciting to uh, just to help them develop the skills and the confidence to work with other people's dreams. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye for now. Christopher. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Christopher Soten, please visit his website, ChristopherSoten.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.